This Seattle Medium podcast is sponsored by the Port of Seattle. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. The U.S. Supreme Court dealt a major blow to federal inmates with their recent ruling that limits challenges to unlawful convictions for federal prisoners. And we didn't want to talk about the issue as political commentator, Opio Sacconi. Good morning, Opio. Good morning, Chris. How are you? I'm doing good. And yourself? I'm doing well. Always good to talk to Seattle. I always brag to people. I say every now and then I'm on the radio in Seattle. Anytime somebody say they're from Seattle, I always brag. Every now and then I'm on the radio in Seattle. I love Seattle. (laughs) Well, it's good to have you on. Opio, uh, this ruling stems from a case, Jones versus Hendricks, where a federal prisoner convicted of possessing a firearm uh, after a felony conviction appealed the decision stating that he mistakenly thought his previous felony conviction had been expunged and was unaware of the status of the felon uh, when he acquired the firearm. You know, Opio, to the average person, this may seem like a simple case, but no case is really simple these days, and this one has significant ramifications for years to come. Right. It really uh, told people who've exhausted one challenge with their habeas uh, motion that they don't have another shot at it. It's really sad. You know, I often think about Clarence Thomas. He's the one that wrote this decision. And I wonder what happened to him that was so bad that make him uh, stand for so many uh, injustices uh, while he's sitting on that high court. Um, when it comes to racism, if the underlying facts that somebody is black and it's racism, he supports. When it comes when it comes to a number of different things, peremptory challenges, uh, ineffective counsel, uh, when you look back at these cases, they put Clarence Thomas on them. You know, he's just constantly uh, putting things together that are are, are, are uh, opinions together that are, are unjust. This is one of them. That they ruled uh, that at least some of the federal prison prisoners uh, who are completely innocent must serve out their entire sentence with no meaningful way of challenging uh, their unlawful conviction. One of the most fundamental principles uh, of our criminal uh, system is that. Uh, one may be convicted of a crime unless uh, that no one may be convicted of a crime unless the legislator previously passed the law making their actions illegal. Uh, there's no law in the book, uh, say, uh, for in this case, like gun possession, then the judge cannot toss somebody in jail uh, because of having a gun. Well, in the six to three decision ruling uh, right now, the because of uh, Donald Trump got end up getting three. Uh, Supreme Court uh, people uh, on the court, uh, they have a what's called a supermajority right now. And so some of the cases that you're hearing as uh, people uh, that have that mind, that 1990s uh, contract with America, 
uh, conservatism, those are the people that are in power. It's like the inmates, racist inmates running the yard. And so they got this uh, 63 supermajority right now. That's how you end up getting that abortion case um, uh, from a little while ago. That's how you got the affirmative action case. It's a six to three decision. And that's how you got this case. And the uh, Jones, uh, the Hendricks case, they handed down this uh, Thursday. And it's um, it doesn't go directly at people, you know, for the crime. But it says that even if you are uh, innocent of that crime, if you already exhausted your what's called the uh, 2255 or the habeas motion, you don't get another shot at that. And I, I often think about... Uh, jailhouse lawyers, when you go in there, people, uh, that's the first thing a prisoner go to. Let me, let me uh, put in a habeas motion as soon as they go in there. Well, if they exhaust that habeas motion one time, they don't get the, a second shot at that. And and this particular guy, he had, uh, his name is uh, D'Angelo Jones. Uh, he also, he uh, This is back in 2000 when uh, he got this uh, uh, gun charge. And, and that means he got... 27 years on that case. Uh, 2019, there was the Rahif case that uh, basically saves him, but that Rahif case in 2019 uh, doesn't allow him enough to be able to go past the 2255 habeas because at one when he got in uh, when he first went to prison, he had already uh, put up a uh, a challenge and he failed that motion. Uh, so now that uh, the Rahif motion helps him out, he now can't go get a second shot, even though the Congress and the courts know he's innocent. So he's been in since 2000. 2019 is basically when the case came along and say, hey, this springs you free. Because of Clarence Thomas ruling, he has to stay in for another four years. That shocks wow. the conscience to me. Right. And, and OPL, this points to a number of different things. I mean, number one, it talks about the amount of power and influence uh, that one person uh, can have. Uh, when you talk about the president of the United States with the appointment, you talk about uh, when the whoever has the majority in the Senate um, and what they're able to do. They only have a, a, a one vote or two vote majority. Um, you talk about the important the influence somebody has uh, in the judicial system from you know, not just the U.S. Supreme Court, but all the appeals, appellate courts, and, you know, all the district courts across the country. And it also points to the fact that this man thought that his felony conviction had been expunged, um, and it had not either been properly done or completed or something. And so it goes to the fact that, you know, when people get into these situa- legal situations and they think something has been done, that they really need to follow up on to make sure that it's been done correctly because a lot of times people get in, in trouble because something wasn't done correctly, something wasn't filed correctly, filed on time. Somebody, you know, there's all these different nuances and you have no idea if you don't go back and follow up on it. Right. And where he exhausted his first motion, because you have to kind of look at what this really was about. This is about back before 1948. Uh, those prisons, uh, those courts that were near prisons, uh, they they would be the ones, of course, that would get a lot of these habeas motions, right? And so after 1948, they made it to where there's an equitable distribution of cases around, right? Not what Clarence Thomas and the conservatives are doing. What the Clarence Thomas mentality is, and the conservatives, such as Samuel Alito, 
both of whom are have ethical issues uh, right now. Uh, they hold issue is about the finality. You have to remember back in 1996, they're following uh, this uh, law that was created back in 1996. You remember 1996, uh, Newt Gingrich and the boys, they, um, they're the tough on crime, uh, the triangulation of the Clintons. Um, uh, and what they did was, uh, after the Oklahoma City bombing, they created this anti-terrorism and, anti-terrorism and effective death penalty uh, law. And this kind of is what Clarence Thomas and them are using to basically stop uh, prisoners from, or people that are in prison, from uh, getting another shot at it. There's always a loophole, and there's a loophole in 2255. But Clarence Thomas, uh, just think about justice as a straw uh, or justice as a water hose, and you just, just ran a race and you have to breathe through this water hose. Well, Justice Thomas, he... And this ruling, he made that water hose into a straw where, where you have to breathe justice through a straw. Just think about it that way and uh, what he did. That basically making it to where uh, that little loop, that loophole has gotten so small to where people that are in prison right now that are innocent, they will not be able to get out of prison as a result of having exhausted one of those habeas motions. Wow. Incredible. Uh, Opio, uh, briefly... You know, the other thing I know people that's buzzing around is the uh, Supreme Court striking down affirmative action policies. I know we've got about two minutes left, uh, but uh, your thoughts on that and then also the influence of, of Clarence Thomas as it relates uh, to affirmative action in America as well. Here we go again. This is a this is another six to three ruling. There's a there were actually two cases here. This was a uh, University of North Carolina that was a uh, the sixty three ruling, uh, and then there was the uh, the Harvard uh, University admissions, and that was a six to two because uh, Justice Jackson, because she her connections Harvard, she wasn't uh, in on that decision. And of course, she and Clarence Thomas are fighting on the court. If you listen to her dissent. She is mocking Clarence Thomas, and he's kind of going back on her on this particular case, and they're mocking each other uh, on this one. Clarence Thomas is, is a um, uh, is an affirmative action baby. He admits it, but then he's one of the ones that pulled up the ladder. But when it comes to legacy uh, scholarships where um, the parents and grandparents and great-grandparents of uh, these people that were at these colleges before – when there are no black people are allowed to go to these colleges, well, the legacy missions allow their children to be able to go there whether they qualify or not almost. And um, so there's no pulling up of that ladder. And also uh, they wanted to make sure that this had nothing to do with uh, military affirmative action because they need black bodies in the military. But schools, colleges, the elite colleges, this really gets under the racist skin because they don't want black people to go to college because when you go to college, and you get an elite education, you get to end up living a better life. And that better life allows you to be able to go to good, have your children to good schools. Those children go to good schools and they grow up and they live a better life. And they get to be in power and they get to be about part of the body politics and they get to uh, make big decisions in their communities. Races hate that. And that's mm-hmm. what this is all about. All right. Well, Opio, I want to thank you for joining us on today's show. Uh, We'll have to get you back on pretty soon. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate it, Chris.